the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I'm co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is the leading provider in the United States of lines of credit to nonprofits, uh, to small nonprofits. Our line of credit program is easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing until used, making it a great cash backup plan for your nonprofit. Um, if you would like to learn more about the program, please, please visit us at the nonprofit, sorry, nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Or feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118. Just remember the time to set up your line of credit is today, not when the emergency actually comes up. I would also tell all our listeners out there, the Nonprofit MBA Podcast has become extremely popular out there. And it, I think it's got a lot to do with the idea that the line of credit has become very popular out there. It's really a product that's in great demand right now because of the changes and ups and downs in cash flow. And it was always been very, very hard for nonprofits to get a line of credit set up. Now we just make it really, really easy. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with Pat Duffy from Giving Block. Um, Pat created the Giving Block with a co-founder, Alex Wilson, in 2018, developing the leading solutions that charities, universities, and other nonprofits use to fundraise cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. They quickly established themselves at the, as the leading crypto fundraising experts through the explosive growth, growth of their programs at Save the Children and United Way Worldwide. Over the last four years, the Giving Block has turned cryptocurrency into the fastest growing donation method, founding the industry's Giving Pledge, Giving Days, and crowdfunding platform. Today, Pat, Alex, and their team are honored to be building crypto philanthropy programs for over 1,000 nonprofits, raising millions every month. Pat, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Great. So, you know, today's topic, I'm excited about it because this is something I know nothing about, which is, uh, uh, you know, one of the things I love doing about these podcasts. Uh, you know, the cryptocurrency uh, has been all over the news, especially today. I just haven't been watching a lot of it um, because of the Super Bowl commercials that they were saying that the, the Super Bowl commercials that showed cryptocurrency uh, was equivalent to when uh, the dot com uh, came out in the early uh, uh, late eighties, nineties, uh, uh, and they they had it all over the Super Bowl. So you know, today uh, we're gonna love learning about cryptocurrency and philanthropy for nonprofits. So let's just start off with this is gonna start off to be a very basic uh, introduction here. A lot of our listeners are probably unfamiliar with, with what exactly is cryptocurrency. So let's give a basics, uh, a one-on-one cryptocurrency. Yeah. Um, in terms of like what it is from a, a fundamental standpoint, it's, it yep. takes a lot of the positive attributes of different types of assets um, and blends them into a uniquely uh, effective digital money um, 
asset store value, kind of a, a blend of certain features of things like gold, things like stocks and things like a currency, a fiat currency historically. Um, so that's like one of the core areas where people uh, struggle to wrap their head around it. We're used to kind of dealing with asset types that have certain features and are used in certain ways. And then something like a, a Bitcoin pretty much blended them. So it's got the fungibility and divisibility of money. It's easy to send units of value anywhere in the world really quickly. Um, but it's got the store of value scarcity of something like a gold. Like the system is built in a closed way with a certain number of units that'll ever be in existence. So that baked in scarcity uh, adds value to the unit. So you can sit money there long term versus something like a dollar is usually saying you want to get out of your pocket and into assets as quickly as possible. Um, so in short, some people park money in there as a store of value, kind of a long-term play. Some people trade into and out of different cryptocurrencies like stocks to kind of bet almost like you could uh, buy shares of this idea of cell phones being widely adopted. They're doing that, but with different forms of blockchain technology. Um, and then some people use it like money, usually only in the cases where it's a stable coin pegged to the value of the US dollar so you don't trigger taxable events at each point of conversion. But yeah, lots of cool utility coming out of it. It's just uh, okay. one so of the bigger let's, leaps let's, in innovation. Yeah, Let's take a step back because that was level 201 course. Okay. Let's go back sure. to a simple 101 course. So from my understanding, cryptocurrency is... Uh, it used to be where the dollar was backed up by gold. The, the U.S. dollar was backed up by gold that was stored somewhere, but that, that's gone away decades and decades and decades ago. Is that correct? Sure. Yeah. So now the dollar, the American dollar, is really the only value to it is that everyone believes there's a value behind the dollar and that you can buy something because of that value that the whole public understands the dollar is equal to. So in other words, you're in actuality uh, just trading goods or services, but you're using money as the medium to, to trade those goods and services, just like back in the days of the Indians, correct? Yeah, more or less. It's a medium of okay. exchange. It's a bit of a, a misconception that it's its only value would be that everyone believes in it. Like there's um, different use cases for different types of money. So like I actually think it's valuable that the dollar isn't backed by anything and you can print it into obsolescence so long as a country is stable. When you look at something like Venezuela, that's a nightmare, of course. Like you don't want to sit right. a lot of your money in that at any point in time. But I do think the fact that it it inflates and even hyperinflates causes people to spend it. Like if you had something with a set unit of value that the whole world was built on, I'm not sure you'd incentivize the same commercial activity. So, I mean, it's, it's nuanced. I mean, we're already, yeah, so okay. to the weeds, but yeah, in, in short, when it comes to something like a cryptocurrency, what a nonprofit would need to know is there are fundamental technical features of it that make it superior to other forms of assets in certain use cases as a result. Um, some people are betting on it versus other places you can put your money as that number of people and the number of dollars going into those bets on crypto specifically continues to rise. It becomes a, a more common donation method that they can take or not take. Now, whether or not they want to invest in it from an endowment standpoint or hold the crypto they receive is exceedingly rare. So the actual value proposition, whether or not it's a good place to put your money, 
funny enough, is really of no concern to almost every nonprofit who takes it. It's more that okay. other people are placing that bet. As a result, they have capital gains tax burdens that are offset okay, when they okay. give we'll, that we'll, mode of giving we'll get specifically. To that. Right, right. We'll get to that. You're Now you're, you're getting to 301 course. So we're still in 101. Okay? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, uh, yeah, okay. All right. Now, uh, now, the reason why cryptocurrency is so big is because um, it's, in an essence, it's replacing money and it allows for much better exchange of 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 goods and services in essence um electronically then in essence the way the dollar worked and also when you trade or not i'm sorry when you pay for something through any type of medium a credit card or well could be something else uh there's usually a transaction cost associated with it and from my understanding cryptocurrency doesn't have a transaction cost is that correct or is that not correct no, it does. But I mean, I, I will it. just again, reiterate, I kind of just walk too far down in terms of like value propositions around it to begin with. Um, but I would say like even this level of conversation is dramatically further than any nonprofit would ever go on. Like what is oh. the US dollar built okay, on what? or like the stock exchange? So I'm not yeah. sure it's necessarily like useful information for a nonprofit. I think a lot of conversations- well, I would think yeah. I think the issue, I, I think the, a, lot, a lot of the issues that my listeners are going to have is they don't know what a cryptocurrency is. But they don't know what a stock is and they don't know what a dollar is, is I guess the point that I'm making. You don't understand a, what Bluetooth is, what Wi-Fi I mean, is, how a microwave works, combustion engines. It's all like the degree to which you understand the server farms behind Twitter, I don't think is necessarily valuable and whether or not opening an account and fundraising with it is effective. Um, okay, well, I think that, we kind that's of fine. get stuck more with with blockchain than other with new technologies. I think we just always kind of do this. Like people really wanted to understand how the pistons fired in a car when it first comes out, but in terms of like the degree to which a car provides you with value, doesn't require like an engineering level um, understanding. Unless you now, if you want to place a bet on it, I agree. If you're investing in it from an endowment standpoint, I do think it's important to understand whether or not you think it has staying power. But for now, it's just a matter of if people have a uh, highly appreciated asset, it's more tax incentivized for them to give you that than their dollar. So for tens of millions of Americans, that's the case. Uh, as long as you automatically convert it into dollars when you receive it, then your considerations around the underlying value um, aren't necessary for most nonprofits. So I think it is a cool conversation. I just think a lot of nonprofits get stuck there in a way where when they're accepting forward stock, they're not like looking at Ford's fundamentals and like whether or not the company is like effective or has long-term staying power. It's like someone else makes that bet and then you receive their asset and liquidate it. Um, so it's fun. I just think it, it can be, you know, a bit of a, you know, a, a wasp nest. Okay. All right. Well, let's, let's, um, let's do a real case scenario. Cause I, you, you had said here that you work with the United way, I think in, in, uh, you know, in, uh, so, so tell me how the United Way is using cryptocurrency. Yeah, for almost every nonprofit we work with, it's a um, donation method and a donor demographic. Um, the use cases beyond that are, again, exceedingly rare, like sort of using cryptocurrency for uh, cash delivery programs or remittances or like a blockchain-based patient registry or like minting your own NFTs, these use cases don't happen a ton. Um, what you're usually seeing like with United Way or American Cancer, we have 
now we have 77 of our clients are a hundred million dollars or more like these big nonprofits. Um, what they're doing really effectively is fundraising crypto in their different development teams. Um, so their marketing team, right, for end of year, they have calls to action, they have a campaign, they have matching funds. They kind of carve out space for uh, crypto donors, specifically in each of those areas. So like Save the Children, for instance, had the, the HODL Hope campaign last year, which just targets crypto users. Every X amount of crypto you give leads to X amount of impact. Um, and they really just kind of find where are crypto users. We help them kind of target on different platforms like Twitter, whatever it might be. And then uh, fundraise from those individuals and then steward them through their uh, individualized crypto track. Things like uh, American Cancer Society would be the cancer crypto fund. So they were like, we want to raise X amount of dollars in crypto specifically for cancer research. Companies, individuals sponsored that, put their name on kind of like the grants that come out of that program. Um, They don't change any of their programming. When the crypto hits their account, it's immediately liquidated to cash using our program. So. It's really much more of like a, a donor demographic and a uh, development marketing stewardship model that needs to be plugged in more than anything on the technical side. As far as the charity is concerned, donors are investing in cryptocurrency. When it hits their account, it just turns into dollars um, immediately without the, the cost, the volatility. And then all of their strategy has nothing to do with uh, technical capacity. It's all about how do we get in front of these people and how do we get them to give uh, in ways that are most effective? So before we started this podcast, I, I thought, and, and tell me if you think, you know, so I was way off base that one, that what you like the United way was trying to do is get people who already have cryptocurrencies to donate to them in cryptocurrencies so they were setting up specific the specific marketing campaigns, promoting the idea that they ex- now accept cryptocurrencies. Is that accurate? I, I just lost your microphone. Well, I apologize. So I'm mute. Let's say um, that again. <laughs> yeah. Once you yes to, to answer your question. Once you have. Um, the policies and practices in place um, and a, a solution that automatically converts it, then nonprofits are trying to get in front of crypto users and get donations from them specifically. So there's kind okay. of a stack going on there. For larger organizations, um, they pretty quickly get to a place where they are individually uh, trying to get in front of a new audience of crypto donors and then you know, hook them and steward them accordingly over... Uh, yeah, in their own kind of silo. And then the further you go down the spectrum to like the smaller and mid-sized groups, it tends to be more with like our crowdfunding platform, our collaborative campaigns, fundraising opportunities that kind of exist that they try to plug into where crypto users are coming together to give already. And they try to, you know, meet donors kind of where they already are. The larger you are, the more you can kind of set your own pace of play, have a big kind of center of gravity that can attract people individually. So it's just important to note if you're a small nonprofit, I would say it's a bit of a, a lottery ticket strategy to be like, you know, we don't have a big individual giving program already. You know, we're half a million dollar a year organization to think that you can, you know, build and effectively steward a crypto audience. Um, like when you're not doing that, I guess, with traditional donors, 
is a bit of a misdirection. But if you have a, if you're good at the internet, for lack of a better term, and you're you're good at fundraising in some fundamental sense, then crypto is a really uh, intuitive thing that you can kind of plug into your your fundraising areas and attack it strategically. So, Kit, I mean, all of our listeners have fundraising campaigns going on. Um, can't they just hit a button and say, instead of paying me with your credit card, with PayPal, you can pay me through cryptocurrency? Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, that doesn't work. Like maybe maybe three to five years from now, that'll be doable. But there's a, a couple main issues. One is um, like crypto users aren't on your website to begin with. Like that's not the type of people in your audience. If they are, then you can still get donations from them. But generally speaking, the point of crypto for the time being is to drive additional marketing outcomes and get in front of new donors, get younger, more millennial Gen Z giving, engage in all these campaigns where you can really kind of broaden your tent. Um, it would be a tremendous, I think, waste of an opportunity to add like a passive crypto acceptance option mm-hmm. and then get two years in, not have any crypto donations and be like, oh, we're ready to do that now once it becomes, of course, more saturated. Um and then the other reason is the donation method is not the same. So that's why a lot of like nonprofit solution providers, for the most part, use us as their like stripe for, for crypto payments, more or less, in the nonprofit sector. Um, because the way that you integrate it and the solutions that aren't using us don't necessarily work. In, in short, the average crypto gift size is $11,000. So like you're fundraising in a very... Um, millennial Gen Z individual giving type mindset, kind of like an end of year campaign, like Giving Tuesday type vibes. Um, but then the person coming through, even though you're hooking them in with a meme on Twitter, is someone who needs to be stewarded like a major gift person who needs to reconnect with their advisor, make a calculated tax offset decision, and then send a pretty significant transaction. That's not like a, if you're in the same checkout where the buttons say, hey, you want to give $20, $30, or $100, or it's like, do you want to make this a monthly gift of 40 bucks here and there? It's not a good uh, user experience. You tend to kind of break the system down and create like a lot of friction. If you just try to throw crypto into existing giving models, it needs to be thoughtfully integrated or else you're just kind of creating attrition. So it, I know it's changed a lot, but because uh, it's, it's certainly coming more blit mainstream, but Cryptocurrency used to be where it was, you know, not legitimate money. Like, I'm not not that it wasn't legitimate money, but the people that were using it were, weren't legitimate businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's two, three years ago. And now, of course, and certainly if they're doing uh, um, advertisements on Super Bowl, <laughs> you know, uh, Bitcoin and other ones then it's be, going to become legitimate. And also I know that today um, the, the government announced that they're going to try to start looking into um, regulating cryptocurrencies um, to be careful with fraud. Um, certainly there's a lot behind that other than just fraud, but, um, but what, why I, I'm not sure why marketing for donations would be specifically geared toward cryptocurrency people. What? Yeah. 
how, how is it, I mean, how do you go out going to that segment of the audience, of your audience, that's going to be cryptocurrency donations? Yeah. Yeah, there's, so a few things to unpack there. There's like a, a few questions in there. I'll, I'll back down from the last piece. The, Please. the reason where like historically, you obviously, you don't fundraise around, your donation method is not a donor demographic historically. That hasn't right. happened before. This would be the first time where that's the case. I mean, it could have happened, but the it wasn't digital enough. Like things like credit cards in the early days, like around the dot-com thing, like you really could try to get in front of people using them when they were, still relatively rare, but the industry was almost, I mean, almost two decades behind that. This is one of the first times where the, the nonprofit industry is at the junction of a mainstream adoption of a, a new technology that happens to be a fastest growing payment method. Um, so the reason you do that is because it's a highly, inten- a highly incentivized mode of giving for tens of millions of Americans. Um, and they're not getting asked to give that a lot right now. So like, you want to get in front of the people who have it and ask for it. The, the reason, if you're like, why would you market to this specifically? It's like, because it works. You know, For a large nonprofit, it's a no-brainer. Like, If you're a, a serious-sized nonprofit who fundraises from a general audience, you're not like localized, you can fundraise from anyone anywhere. Like Having a seven, eight-figure crypto philanthropy program with us is becoming like super normal. And then if you're, you know, small and mid-sized nonprofit, you know, we have hundreds of organizations. We'll, we'll be over a thousand relatively soon who have like 10 figure plus crypto philanthropy programs without like a whole lot of time and energy expended. Um, that would be the reason to do it because it works. There's a lot of people out there who have this. They're not getting asked by a lot of nonprofits to give this way. They're young. They're, you know, highly financially literate, tech savvy, hitting their peak earning years and have like a a huge incentive to give this very particular form of money that no nonprofits are asking for. So um, you can carve out a slice of a pie that otherwise will just turn into the amalgam that every other fundraising method becomes over time where it's like you said, they'll show up on our site to give and they'll pick this as an option versus something else, which is what will happen as it gets more mainstream. So it's, I mean, it's a tremendous opportunity if you want to attack it, if you're not going to actively fundraise it, then you might as well just, ignore it because other nonprofits are going to skip you and cut to the front of the line. Um, per your other half of the question, like around regulation and then like who uses cryptocurrency, it's like a gigantic misconception that like crypto isn't regulated. Like it's super heavily regulated. There are, are certain ways they need to regulate it differently because of the functionality where they need to figure out like at what point is it an asset versus a currency and different agencies are trying to figure out who has purview over what. But in terms of like if you're working with a crypto exchange in the US, like they have to follow almost exactly the same rule book as like a, a city bank would have to to open up a bank. Like it's insanely heavily regulated from like KYC, AML, like all the way down to like who they have to report to. Um, so that's a definitely a misconception. And then you touch on something super true, where just like the brand of crypto in the early days was like, this is just for... Um, like Russian teenagers to sell each other mushrooms on the internet uh, was kind of the vibe in the, the early days, like a decade ago. Um, the reason people thought that is because that's exactly what it was. No one was tracking cryptocurrency. Regulators weren't paying attention. So it's a perfectly trustable form of money. You can send back and forth without an intermediary. No one's paying attention. It seems like a smart way to sell drugs. The issue with it is 
government started paying attention and tracking it. And it just so happens to also be the most traceable form of money that's ever existed. So um, as soon as governments decided, hey, let's start following these transaction records, like I, even as an individual, if you gave me your Bitcoin wallet, I could track that Bitcoin back to its origin when it was released onto the network through every wallet it's ever touched. And it's impossible to alter those transaction records. So criminals liked it until uh, government started tracking it. And now it's like one of the worst forms of money to use in criminal activity just because it's so highly traceable. So other than I I have to ask this question because I'm curious, other than Mm -hmm. cash, what are uh, uh, black money or, uh, you know, people who are mm-hmm. not, who are selling drugs, what are they using now for, um, to transact, to transact, uh, tra- transact money? What are they using? Are they just using, are they using Bitcoin? I'm sorry. Are they using cryptocurrencies that are just not regulated? No, I mean, they're all, they're all like highly traceable. So it's, it's about 10 times less likely uh, on a crypto network versus a digital like dollar-based payments network for an illicit activity to be taken. So it's like, um, it's very similar. Like, you know, when you see like a Tesla hit somebody on a bicycle and then everyone's like, we should stop making these. And it's like, no, we should take 10,000 hours of people, 10,000 hours of a Tesla and see like which one's actually more safe, right? Because people hit people all the time. Uh, crypto, it's the same thing. People think. Uh, that it's more dangerous. You're talking about self-driving. You're talking about a self-driving Correct. car. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm saying like um, the, the question isn't whether or not criminals use crypto. The question is like, is crypto better for criminals and more used? And the answer is no to both. Like it's dramatically less likely to be used in illicit activity than digital dollar payments because it's way easier to get away with the crime if you're using dollars that you're sending back and forth via payments apps. So like, does it happen? Yeah, but usually because people are are stupid so like um most of it is just miscommunications by journalists so they'll say like you'll hear about a hack where like a cryptocurrency gets hacked that's not a cryptocurrency getting hacked that's someone who like doesn't have a secure password and then someone logs into a crypto account and takes the crypto like that's just bad account management that has nothing to do with the tech or you'll hear about like a criminal involved and they were using crypto like a thousand of those stories will happen on the same day using traditional payments but it's not exciting. So then when it's like criminal has money and the money they have is Bitcoin, then it feels like the Bitcoin is what was used for the criminal activity. But it's usually just where they stored value afterwards as like an investment. So and it's all um, in short, if you're afraid of, I guess, crypto for like illicit reasons or regulatory reasons, then you should be like horrified to accept like wire payments or credit cards because it's dramatically more dangerous per capita. So uh, let's take this scenario back, uh, talk about uh, United Way, because let's go back to that scenario. So h- how long ago was it that United Way, uh, did you approach United Way or did they approach you about the idea of adding cryptocurrency to their uh, marketing efforts? Yeah, we, we approached them. They were already taking crypto. So like 28 out of the first 30 nonprofits we signed up were already taking crypto. And then one of two things was happening when we first formed. Either we would talk to them about the way they're taking crypto, and then we would change our payment solution, you know, build features out, add automations, 
provide accompanying kind of services or consulting to just like dramatically reduce their time and energy, make their system work better. And we win them over on the technical side, or they'd be uh, either not getting any donations or they got lucky with one donation and then nothing else happened. And the thought in their head would be, how do we actually get cryptocurrency? Like we've been sitting here with a solution for XYZ period of time. We'd like to get more. So United Way was one of those groups that had had some success, but not consistent success. They didn't know how to turn it into like an active revenue pillar for the organization. And that's what we'd been doing with Save the Children and other groups at that time. Um, okay. So like with so a United went- Way, it was more yeah about fundraising crypto. So you went to United Way, you talked to them, you, you knew they were already accepting cryptocurrency. You went there and you told them, you talked to them about some other ways that they could really market better their their approach to getting more cryptocurrency uh, donations. Is that accurate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. just major gifts officers weren't including it in conversations. Their landing page wasn't search engine optimized. They weren't on a platform where donors were going. They weren't plugging into the end of year campaigns. like. You can start going through a program and finding ways to integrate it. And with like a couple hours of work spread out over an annual period, you can dramatically increase outcomes. Okay. So, you you know, the majority of our listeners are all nonprofits under $5 million in revenue. So how are you suggesting that they use cryptocurrency um, to, to help their organizations? Yeah, I don't necessarily for, for smaller groups. I think for a large group, it's an obvious yes, pretty much 100% of the time, unless you're like completely grant funded. And even in that case, it's a great way if you're dipping your toe into individual giving to start getting momentum with a younger audience. Um, but for a small group, like we make the same recommendation. We even have it. We do a, a monthly webinar for their final slide is this. It's like have an innovation game plan, like make sure your team is getting together and looking at cryptocurrency and other payment methods, like the ease of integration and what the upsides might be, like looking at your website, looking at your digital presence, like what's your get younger strategy, how are like you diversifying revenue? Um, for some organizations, it's obvious. If you're under 5 million in revenue, you have a young base and you're super active on Twitter, or you have like an older base, but they're like traditional financial folks. Like you're in New York City, it's a Wall Street audience, and you know, that like all of those firms have a bunch of young millennial and Gen Z staff that are like, if they're clear, if they're on Wall Street, then a high percentage of them, of course, have crypto. Um, so you just got to find those pockets and understand if the opportunity makes sense for you. If you're trying to learn uh, the fundamentals of an effective like individual giving program, major gifts, like you don't really have an end of year campaign, then yeah, crypto would be a lottery ticket. But if you have a stable fundraising program, full-time social media person with like a good Twitter presence and like your individual giving and stewardship over the course of the year is nicely put together, then you can layer crypto in over the course of a year and it makes sense for your your time and energy to be placed there. But it always needs to be proportionate. Um, a lot of smaller groups are looking for for lottery tickets, like a get out of jail free card. Crypto attracts that kind of audience just because, you know, you hear about trades where, you know, I, I forgot who who did it, but they Maybe they're anonymous, actually, but $8,000 investment turned into $5.4 billion in Shiba Inu. That was like the biggest trade ever executed. People hear that and they're like, oh, by accepting crypto, we'll get this windfall. It's like, not necessarily. It happens sometimes, but um, you have to take a, a serious look at like, where are you from a digital standpoint? And where are you from like an individual giving program standpoint? If you feel stable and you're ready to layer on some innovative new practices, crypto, I would think, is normally front of the line. 
if the answer is no to those items, then you have some foundational work probably to do first or else crypto could be a distraction. The the giving block, uh, is that a, uh, which is your company, uh, you and um, your partner, um, is that a consulting company or does it, is there some software as a service that's provided um, or do you have to do both? Yeah, it's both. So we're, we're a little under 60 people on the team now. So it's pretty large and established at this point. We, we grew a lot last year. Um, it's a split. It's almost like a combination of uh, like the stripe for the, the crypto industry and then, um, or for the nonprofit industry when it comes to crypto. And then we have the, the GoFundMe of the crypto industry. We have the main platform where people in crypto look for charities to give to. They run their programs where companies come to do their corporate CSR in the crypto space. Um, so it's all built on baseline solution providing now. So the, the widget that nonprofits use on their sites to take donations and the same tools that get used on our site for donors to give, we provide that foundational tech layer. And then we help nonprofits, like you said, as kind of a consultancy, navigate that journey from like beginner, intermediary expert. So we're bringing a lot of nonprofits together for group webinars, providing resources like marketing kits and helping them grow at the right speed. Um, just making sure those foundational boxes get checked around the way you're accepting it, bracing your organization for success on like an accounting and compliance front, making sure your web page is ready, your call to action is going to work, where is the best place to put your time and energy. Um, and then beyond that, we just help the programs kind of level up from there. Okay, cool. Well, good. Um, that's really all the time we have for today. I would like to thank so very much Pat Duffy from The Giving Block for coming on to today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. If you like today's podcast, please give us a review on your podcasting app and to help us get the word out. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Pat, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Yeah. Um, for organizations like, like nonprofits, I would say the best thing to do is just go to thegivingblock.com. There's a, an accept crypto button in the corner where you can do like a, a demo and a needs assessment. Just get like run through all of the stuff that we do and what makes sense for different types of organizations. Um, if you just have a question, you can contact us there. And then for folks who want to follow like me specifically, um, this is Pat Duffy on, uh, on Twitter and uh, on LinkedIn. You can find me just Pat Duffy at the giving block. Okay, good. Well, I really appreciate it. I want to tell all our listeners out there, I want to thank you for all the work that you're doing to make this world a better place. Um, you know, I, I know Pat and I each need to do our part, but you guys are out there on the front lines doing your job every single day, trying to make the world a better place. And, the, and I personally thank you for doing that. Um, today's podcast was kind of just an introduction for many of you as to how people are beginning to use cryptocurrency a lot. And Hopefully it was helpful for you today. Everybody have a really fantastic day.